0: Please take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 14. I'll be reading from verse 7. This is what Holy Scripture says. Now he told the parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, Lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or, ba- or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited invited many, at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room." And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: In a famine, you would relish a great feast by both attending it and telling others about it. Well, God has made available to you a great feast in the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, sometimes we can fail or struggle to relish this great feast as we should. Those who are not Christian fail to relish the gospel by not believing it. And those who are Christian struggle to tell others about the gospel they have relished and delighted in. Today I will be explaining the parable of the great banquet in Luke 14, verses 16 to 24. And I want you today to relish the gospel. I want you today to relish the gospel. I want to first speak to non-Christians and explain to you how you ought to turn and trust in Christ. And then I want to speak to Christians and exhort you to go and tell of Christ to others. So, for those of you who are not Christians, relish the gospel. How do you do that? You turn from your sins and you trust in Christ. Turn from your sins and you trust in Christ. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has come to preach good news. This is what gospel means, good news. In Luke four forty-three, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. Some are hungry for this good news. Jesus heals outcasts. He saves tax collectors. He forgives sinners. But others are quite hostile towards this good news. They actually don't view it as good news at all. They hate Jesus for the good news that he's telling them. And in Luke 14, this is where Jesus finds himself. He finds himself among those who are skeptical and hostile to his message. He is a guest for dinner at a ruler of the Pharisees' house. The Pharisees were simply religious leaders in Jesus' day. Jesus is in this ruler of the Pharisees' home and he rebukes the Pharisees for several things he notices at the supper. You can't accuse Jesus of lacking boldness. In verses 1 to 6, he rebukes their hypocritical legalism regarding the Sabbath day. In verses 7 to 11, he challenges them for their prideful practice of picking the most prominent spots at feast. And then in verses 12 to 14, he calls them out for their very exclusive guest lists. In verse 14, he promises believers, who invites outsiders to their, to their feasts, that they will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And in response to Jesus' sayings, one of the guests makes a statement in verse 15. He says to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will bread in the kingdom of God. This seems like an innocent comment. But as you see in the text, Jesus actually takes issue with this comment. Why? Well, it seems that the guest is deflecting from Jesus' rebuke. And he's saying that he and the Pharisees will still enter the kingdom of God, even though they don't really believe in Jesus as the Son of God. And in Jesus' response in this parable, it is like he's saying, that is true, but will you accept the invitation and eat bread in the kingdom of God? Because of their upbringing and their status, The Pharisees presumed that they would enter heaven. Do you presume that you are going to heaven even though you haven't trusted in Jesus? Jesus wants to make clear to you and to his audience that you must accept his invitation to be granted eternal life. You must come to this great feast. Jesus illustrates this truth by speaking in a parable. A parable is simply a story that illustrates a spiritual truth. The first thing you see in Jesus' parable in verses 16 and 17 is to trust in Christ. Jesus says in verses 16 and 17, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who'd been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Jesus tells of a man who puts on a glorious feast, and this man invites many to his feast. The assumption is that those who are invited have initially first accepted the invitation. And then the servant comes again and tells them, come, come for everything is now ready. Great preparation, energy, time and care were put into preparing this feast. Lambs were slain, rooms were prepared, the feast was ready. And the only thing that was left for the guests was to come. And friend, if you are not yet a Christian, the Lord says to you, come for everything is now ready. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, has been slain so that you can enter into this great feast. John the Baptist calls Jesus in John 1, verses 29, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the gospel, that God has created everything perfectly, but through one man's sin, sin has come into the world. And every human being, including you, has rebelled against this God. And for this, God must judge you because he is perfectly just. And he must judge sin. But God has also provided a way of escape. He sent Jesus Christ, his only son, fully God and fully man, to live the perfect life that you could never live. And Christ came to die in the place of sinners as a sacrificial lamb. He was crucified on the cross by men, but it was appointed by God so that all of God's anger, wrath, and punishment that you deserve was placed upon Jesus. So if you turn from your sins and trust in Jesus, he will be your substitute, taking your sins in your place your guilt, your shame, your sin, all upon him. If you have trusted in Christ, God will look at you as holy and blameless. Not because of your righteousness, but because of Christ's perfect righteousness. Jesus also says in John fourteen three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. So, not only has a lamb been provided, but a room has been prepared. Christ not only died, but he was resurrected on the third day, defeating death, and 40 days later he ascended. And he secured an eternal dwelling place for all who believe in him. Turn from your sins, trust in Christ. And you will have eternal life. This eternal life is also called a feast. In Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 9, Isaiah says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine to rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And at this feast, Isaiah says in verse 8, He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. The Bible speaks of a heavenly feast where death, sin, illness, sorrows, they're no more. And if you come to Christ today, you can eat at this heavenly feast. Friend, come, for everything is now ready. Relish the gospel. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this great feast, it will be yours. Will you come and eat at this great feast? Or will you be like the guests at this banquet in verses 18, 20, 18 to 20, who make excuses And they view this invitation as an unwanted invitation. Jesus wants to tell guests who are invited to this eternal banquet, he wants to tell them, don't reject Christ. Don't reject Christ. Imagine if you put all your resources into putting on a wedding. But then on the day of the wedding your closest friends begin to give very lame excuses why they couldn't come. That'd be devastating. This is what happens in verses 18 to 20. The first two excuses given have to do with items that a person has bought. The first excuse is, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. The second excuse in verse 19 is, I have bought five yokes of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excuse. Both of these excuses are very, very weak. Both the field and the five yokes of oxen had already been bought and it is very likely that they had already been inspected. And even if they had not been inspected, the urgency of the request is unfounded. If they really valued the master and the feast, the land and the oxen could wait, but they loved their material possessions so much that they rejected the feast. The third excuse is slightly different. A man says, I've married a wife, and therefore, I cannot come. But notice that the man does not say when he's married a wife. The wedding has taken place. This excuse is very vague. It is kind of like if you were to invite a friend to your church. And the friend were to say, oh, I can't come. I have a meal to go to. And you're like, what time is that meal at? And the friend's like, uh, uh, like 5 o'clock. Well, you know church is at 10 a.m., right? You, you, you can go to church. So he could certainly still come to this feast even if he has a wife. Once again, the excuse reveals that the person really doesn't want to come. Kids, what if you were told that you were invited to a party with all your best friends, and you were going to get the toys that you always wanted, and you were even able to eat all those sweet foods that your parents just don't eat, let you eat during the week? would you do everything in your ability to go? Or would you say, no, I'll just go another day? If you knew that this party would be very, very fun, my guess is that you would do your best to make it very, very known to your parents that you want to be there. When you relish something, you make every effort to partake in it. Notice that the three excuses that cause people to reject the banquet in this parable have to do with possessions and family. Possessions and family. These are not a bad thing in themselves, but they're not the main thing. They become bad things when they become what we live for. As a wise man once said, idolatry leads to misery. I want to speak to you who have been under the preaching of the gospel for weeks, months, years, maybe even decades, but you haven't yet turned from your sins and believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior. What are your reasons for not relishing Christ and not responding to him in faith? Perhaps you are like these first two men, satisfied with your possessions comfortable in your life you feel secure you don't really see your need for Jesus but friend I must warn you you are like a person living in a mansion on the fault line of an earthquake God will one day judge all men for their sins and you are far less secure than you think and your wealth will not bring you security on judgment day True security can only be found through placing your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. Or maybe for some of you, you're interested in Christianity, but you're worried about what your family and friends would think. Well, Jesus anticipates this in verse 26. So if you're in Luke 14, you can just go to verse 26. He says this, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. When Jesus says to hate your family, he's using an expression from the Hebrew that conveys to love something more than another. You should love your family. But when a family member tells you to forsake Christ, Or has drawn you away from Christ, you ought to love Christ more and be willing to be rejected by your family for the sake of Christ. Christ is the one who made you and offers salvation to you, and he deserves to be relished more than your family's approval. There also might be some of you who have not repented of your sins, believed in Jesus for your salvation but you still presume that one day you will come to Jesus. Maybe that's because you're around Christians. Maybe because that's because you are raised in a Christian family. But you presume that you will taste of this feast. Are you certain of that? Maybe you're presuming that you will have more time. How do you know you'll have more time? You're making a bet. You're making a bet with your eternal destiny. You never know how long you will have in this life. You shouldn't be making a gamble. Don't presume that one day you will turn to Christ, turn from your sins, and trust in Christ. Turn from your sins and trust in Christ today. Today can be your day of salvation. Turn from your sins, trust in Christ today, and then once you've done that, get baptized out of obedience to Christ. So far, you've been told to trust in Christ, to don't reject Christ, and one more thing we see in this text is that you shouldn't underestimate Christ's grace. You shouldn't underestimate Christ's grace. Many famous banquets are for the rich and the famous. They're for people who seem to have everything together. For example, Buckingham Palace will have banquets when a leader wants to charm another world leader. But the Lord's banquet is extended to all people. In verse 21 the servant goes and tells the master that those who were invited have turned down their invitation. The text says, then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have been commanded, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. The master has paid a great cost for this banquet to be put on. So although his first guest didn't come, he doesn't waste the banquet. He extends the invitation to all types of people. He extends it to the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. All types of people are invited to the Lord's great feast. Jesus' grace also extends to great sinners. Throughout the book of Luke, it is a constant theme that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to save the greatest of sinners. Jesus came for the woman who was a great sinner in Luke 7. He also came to save Zacchaeus, the tax collector, in Luke 19. Friend, maybe you haven't come to Jesus because you just think you're too far gone. You may have committed great sins, but Jesus can extend to you greater grace. God in his great grace is more than able to save you. He is able to forgive you of all your sins. But you must come to him. You must come to him or you will face judgment for these great sins. But Jesus will satisfy you. At the center of this great gospel feast lies Jesus Christ. He's the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. This great banquet is one that will satisfy you forever. So don't delay. Come to this great feast today. So far, I've spoken to you who do not yet know Christ. Now I want to speak to the Christian. And I want to tell you to go and tell of Christ. Go and tell of Christ. The Christian has been invited to this great banquet. They've experienced the Lamb of God and his forgiveness of sins. If you're a Christian, you have relished the gospel by believing in the gospel you've come to the feast. And when you really relish something, don't you want to tell everyone about it? When you discover a restaurant that has, the, has had the best food you've ever had, you want to tell people about it. As you relish the gospel, you ought to tell people about it. In this parable, the Christian can identify with the servant. The servant is the one who invites people to the great banquet and goes and tells others about the great feast. Like the servant, you are called to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel. In the gospel of Luke, Jesus has come to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And then in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, and the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then he sends 72 out to proclaim his message. So within the book of Luke, proclaiming the good news of the gospel is very important. But it's not just Jesus and his closest followers and ministers who are to preach the gospel. Christian, you're called to tell people that they need to turn away from their sins and turn towards Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9... One of the reasons that Christians have been chosen by God is to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So, because you've been called out of darkness, you tell others about that great call. Every Christian is called to the task of evangelism. A good definition of evangelism is to teach the gospel with the aim to persuade. How you do that will differ from person to person, from situation to situation, but God wants you to do it. And as a servant announces the gospel feast, you can see several applications for Christians that can help you as, this, as you seek to tell the lost about Jesus. First, go and tell persistently. Go and tell persistently. It is important in life to have the right expectations. When you have the right expectations, it helps you persevere in the task at hand. For example, if you're trying to go to a driving range for golf for the first time, it's really good to have the right expectations. Because if you're anything like me, you're probably going to fail a lot. You're probably going to miss the ball a few times. The ball will go right. The ball will go left. And you'll have a whole lot of side eye from people on either side of you. And as you tell people about Jesus, it's also good to have the right expectations. Because having the right expectations will help you be persistent. It will help you persevere when the going gets tough. Not everyone you talk to is going to immediately fall on their knees and go to church the next Sunday and believe in Jesus. And I think for some of us, this fear of rejection and failure is one reason why we don't tell others about Jesus as much as we should. That is why it's important to remember you're you're going to face some rejection. The servant is rejected by many people, But the servant keeps on persistently telling people about this great feast. If you're kind and respectful and somebody turns down the gospel invitation that you've offered, they're rejecting your Lord. They're not rejecting you. Jesus says in Luke 10, verse 16, the one who hears you hears me and the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So what Jesus is saying is as people reject you, they're actually rejecting Jesus. The second lesson you can see in this text as you go and tell others about Christ is that you ought to go and tell indiscriminately. Go and tell indiscriminately. Christians can often think that God should save people who could really do a lot for the kingdom. If only God should save more politicians, celebrities, athletes, that would really help the kingdom. But in God's infinite wisdom, he often chooses to save weak and ordinary people. After the religious leaders reject the the master's invitation, the servant goes and tells the poor... The crippled, the blind, the lame. He goes to the outcasts. He goes out to the highways and the hedges. This man is going to every alley, every nook and cranny to tell people about the great feast. The servant is announcing an unexpected message to unexpected people in unexpected places. So, what does this mean for you? in your day-to-day life. In faith, you ought to be willing to tell different types of people about Jesus. Maybe that means the person in your workplace or school who is the most miserable and just the most difficult person to work with. Or perhaps it's a distant family member who you see at family gatherings and you just don't think they'd be willing to listen. By God's grace, take a step of faith and like the servant, compel them to come in. Notice that the servant is putting himself into situations where he can meet unbelievers. I think that one of the reasons why we don't often evangelize is that we're too busy. Our busyness often keeps us from evangelizing. And I think that one thing as a Christian that you should consider is to prayerfully put yourself in situations where you're able to interact with unbelievers. For moms, that might mean going to parks with your kids with the intention of meeting other moms. For older saints, maybe that means just intentionally getting to know your neighbors. For workers, that that might mean going into the office more than you need to and intentionally eating with others at lunch instead of being on your phone. This could also mean connecting with old friends and acquaintances. Also, consider joining into evangelism at this church. If you haven't done it, it's just a great space to be able to watch others share the gospel. The third thing we we see in this text is that you ought to also go and tell earnestly. Go and tell of Christ earnestly. Verse 23 says, And the master said to his servants, servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. The servant is commanded to compel people to come in. To compel means to strongly urge. The master wants the servant to plead, to appeal, to entreat, to to beseech, to persuade people to come to this great banquet. The servant is to plead with people with earnestness, with sincere and intense conviction. And one of the reasons why we plead with people earnestly and urgently is that we know That eternal judgment is coming on all those who don't believe the gospel. The servant strongly urges people to come in because he knows what's at stake. In verse 24, the text says, None of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So all those who reject the invitation won't taste of the great feast. Jesus actually had a similar message. In Luke 13, verses 4 to 5, Jesus is asked by onlookers about a tragedy that has happened. And he says this, or those 18, on whom the towers in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent you will likewise perish. Jesus is the most loving person who's ever lived. But he tells people that they must repent or perish. They must repent or face eternal judgment. Jesus also says in John 3, verse 36, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. And this is actually a great act of love because you're warning people of what will come to them if they don't turn to Christ. We tell others about the gospel because we know that although God is loving, he's also just and he must deal with sin. And in God's justice, He brings eternal punishment on all those who don't trust him. William Carey was the first evangelical missionary to India and he came with a group of missionaries to Serampore, India. And they made a covenant together that was aimed at reminding them of the different truths they would regularly think about and would motivate them in their missionary work. The first line says this, In order to be prepared for our great and solemn work, it is absolutely necessary that we set an infinite value upon immortal souls. That we often endeavor to affect our minds with the dreadful loss sustained by an unconverted soul launched into eternity. Christian, Do you ever set your mind on eternity? Do you ever think about the eternal consequences that an unbeliever will face? Maybe you ought to more. Because that can be a motivation for evangelism. So as we preach the gospel, we do tell people respectfully, compassionately, but we're also honest with them. And we tell them that they need to repent. And they don't know when that day of judgment will come. So because they don't know, they ought to trust in Jesus today. You have seen so far that you ought to tell people persistently, that you ought to tell people indiscriminately and earnestly. You ought to also tell people confidently. Confidently. Go and tell of Christ confidently. The master tells the servant to go and tell that my house may be filled. Christians are to go to fill the Lord's house, but in other places of scripture, we see that the Lord has promised that his house will be filled. In Revelation 7, verse 9, John records a vision of heaven. He says this, the Lord will fill his house with worshipers. And he does so through the faithful evangelism of his people. So as you go out and seek to tell others about Jesus, you can do it with confidence. Not with confidence in yourself, but with confidence in a Lord that regenerates souls. With confidence in a Lord that gives gives you the Holy Spirit and gives his Holy Spirit into people's hearts to regenerate them. What a great Savior. In a great famine, you would undoubtedly go to a great feast that someone was putting on. And in a great famine, if you had food, you would tell others about your source of food. So relish the gospel. This is not a feast that you can afford to miss. Relish the gospel by believing in Jesus and by telling others about Jesus. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I ask for all those who don't currently trust in Christ that you may be working in their hearts right now and that you may cause them to respond in faith to Jesus Christ and to trust in him. I pray, Lord, for Christians that you may help us to go and tell of Christ more. Give us grace to do this task that we can often struggle with. Give us grace to not be discouraged, but to be encouraged in the strength of your might. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.